You're listening to Men of Abundance, episode 87, with John Rafferty. Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. What's up, what's up, all of you amazing, abundant leaders out there. Thank you for listening in once again, and thank you very much for sharing Men of Abundance with everybody that you know. I know you guys have been doing that because I see my numbers going up, and more and more people contacting me, telling me they love what's going on over here at Men of Abundance, and they absolutely really enjoy and getting so much out of the community. I truly appreciate all of your efforts, and for those of you who have not already had the opportunity to share Men of Abundance with others and leave a rating and review on iTunes, you can very easily do that at menofabundance.com forward slash 087. Right underneath the podcast player, you'll see a button that says, Leave a Review. Click on that button, and you'll be able to go and leave a rating and review on iTunes. It means so much to men of abundance. I can't even tell you how much it means. Actually, I can. (laughs) It literally means that more people are going to find men of abundance. It's going to push us up in the search engines. It's going to make iTunes love us that much more. And so many more people are going to be able to find these conversations that we're having with all of these abundant leaders around the world. Just to give you an idea of one of the now 35 reviews on iTunes, This one is a five-star review, and it starts out about time. So glad that you are doing this podcast. It is an avenue to all men so they can find the path on their journey to success. Thanks again for the time that you put into this. I greatly appreciate that review from GBF777. Now, man, I have to tell you right up front, this conversation starts out kind of somber as John and I start talking about human trafficking, the slave situation around the world and in the United States, and what it means to you. But then we pick it up a little bit and we start talking about scholarships and what your juniors in high school can do to start gaining scholarships and get ahead in life and actually, as John puts it, get an unfair advantage. And honestly, who wouldn't want something like that for their child? So if that fits into your situation or you know somebody who does, pay very close attention and you might be able to share this with somebody and really make somebody's day from this conversation that we have today. Now let me share just a little bit about John before we bring him out. John Rafferty studied philosophy at Boston College under a full scholarship awarded through the Navy ROTC program. John's interest in advocating on behalf of victims of human trafficking was sparked when Mr. Rafferty served as a naval officer in the Middle East. While there, he volunteered with nonprofit organizations that sought justice for immigrant workers. His exposure to human trafficking influenced his decision to go into law school. Following his naval service, Mr. Rafferty was awarded a full scholarship to Villanova Law School as a public interest scholar. Upon graduation, Mr. Rafferty moved to Ecuador for 10 months to conduct field research as a Fulbright Fellow. There, he studied the scope of human trafficking in the country's three largest cities. As an assistant district attorney in Chester County, 
John Rafferty prosecutes crimes including sex crimes, homicide, and human trafficking. He uses this position to serve as a voice for victims of violence and commercial exploitation. In his free time, John is starting a live debate series, getting ready to launch a podcast, and managing a premium college admissions coaching business for promising high school students. There is so much going on in this conversation. You are absolutely going to get so much out of this, and I know you're going to want to share this with everybody that you know. Men of Abundance, it is my honor to introduce you to John Rafferty. John, welcome to the show, man. Thank you, Wally. I'm glad to be here. My goodness, you got a lot going on. And when I first learned of what you were doing and your interest and your experience with human trafficking, it really caught my eye because this is something that is people, too many people just do not realize that this is still going on. And by my reading, there are more slaves today than there ever were in the history of the United States at one given time. And I mean slaves around the world. That's absolutely true. Yeah, it's it's just ridiculous. And so many people just do not understand that. And there's so much that we can do. And, I hope, and I'm sure we're going to talk about much of that uh, here today. So where are you at in the world? I'm in eastern Pennsylvania. Wonderful. I have not been to that part of the world, that part of the United States yet. Well, if you ever venture over here, I'll have to take you sledding. We get lots of snow in the winter, and our summers are pretty mild. Perfect. Sounds sounds like a good time. So before we get too much into the show, I like to start off the show pretty much the way I start just about every single morning, which is with an attitude of gratitude. So what do you have to be grateful for today, John? Well, today I really feel grateful about the options and choices that I get to exercise every day about where I want to eat, where I want to buy food where I want to travel to and what I want to learn. And especially that last one, I think that it's amazing that everything that I might want to learn is at my fingertips, thanks to people who contribute to the web, whether that's through writing, through audio, video, photos, maps, illustrations, even animated GIFs. I'm so grateful for everything that's on the internet that we can access to learn and enhance our own knowledge. Exactly. When it comes to abundance, there is certainly one thing that is very obvious we are not lacking, and that is information and education. You just got to reach out and find it, what it is that you're you're specifically looking for. So I want to start out really, actually, you started out in the Navy. You got in the Navy ROTC program, which is really cool. And then uh, you ended up as a naval officer. Tell us a little bit about that process and how you got into that and then how that you kind of got inspired to go to law school and do what you're doing now. Well, I recognized that my life would have significant limitations if I graduated college with a lot of debt. And to avoid doing that, I sought to figure out how I could um, have college paid for, um, either by the school or by an outside scholarship. And I learned that through the military, if you're a high-performing high school student, uh, you can win a four-year all-expense paid uh, scholarship to college uh, so long as you're willing to work for the military as an officer for four years after. And so I pursued that scholarship. I was grateful to uh, win one to study at Boston College. And I had a tremendous time learning a lot about the military while I was in college and then working as a naval officer on a ship. Um, and on land for the four years after college. That is a wonderful opportunity for so many reasons, not just to have the college paid for, but on top of that, you get experiences that really are are unmatched in any other vocation as far as I'm concerned. I don't know if we talked about this before, if you even looked it up, but I I served 25 years as an Army medic, and Navy uh, lingo would be a corpsman. 
I saw um, that. I saw yeah, that. and uh, and awesome. I went. I I originally joined the military for the same reason to get into get some college and whatnot. So I commend you for that, and I thank you for that service, regardless of the uh, reason that you went in, because you went in for the same reason I did. That's right. That's right. I mean, it's a tremendous opportunity, and certainly living abroad right after college, living in Japan and living in the Middle East were amazing opportunities that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So you definitely have seen some things that most people really haven't seen that really should. And in that process, I know from experience that there were some kick-in-the-gut moments there. And I'd love for you to share one of those just gut-wrenching, bent-over, kick-in-the-gut moments with our audience and uh, make us feel that. Yeah, I would say it came when I was living in the Middle East. I was in a small island nation off of Arabia called Bahrain. And when I was living there, I uh, had an opportunity to uh, donate a number of cots that weren't being used by the military anymore. One of my friends who was in the Coast Guard said his unit had a bunch of these extra cots, and they were actually going to throw them out because they didn't know what else to do with them. And I said, look, just give me a few days. I'll come and pick them up and uh, get them delivered somewhere to someone who could use them. And at that time, I did not know who the someone who could use them was. Um, so I started doing some research, found some groups that did some volunteer work in the country, and I found out that one of the major volunteer activities in Bahrain, um, among some of these nonprofit groups, was working with immigrant workers who had come to work in the Middle East from South Asian countries. And by South Asia, of course, I'm talking about India and Sri Lanka and Bangladesh. And those workers come over with the hope that many workers come to the United States with a better future and uh, higher pay. And they came to the Middle East hoping for the same thing and being promised all sorts of uh, fancy lifestyles by their employers and uh, even being promised a regular paycheck. Um, but when they showed up to the Middle East and started working, oftentimes they didn't get any of that. They wouldn't get fancy pay. They wouldn't get even a regular paycheck. Uh, sometimes when I met with some of these workers, uh, I learned that they weren't being paid at all and that their employer is putting them on a hiatus and had promised to pay them next month or two months from now. Um, and so I found these groups that were working with these uh, immigrant workers and they said, hey, we'll take the cots, but you know, we'd love for you to come with us. And so I came with them to deliver the cots to these workers and I couldn't believe the deplorable conditions these men were living in. It was structures made of wood, uh, basically you know, fashioned together with nails and you know, no heating, no plumbing, no nothing. And they were making the best of it, and they were kind and generous, and they were so, so, so grateful for the delivery of these cots so that they could actually have their own beds, and they wouldn't have to share them anymore with the other men who lived in their work camp. Yeah, I've experienced that as well. When I was in Iraq, the same workers, the same folks that you mentioned, they worked like in the, they did the work that most of the guys didn't want to do, and at best... After talking to a couple of them, their their idea was, their plan was, they were going to do that for maybe a year, raise enough money so that they could get their family out of the situation they were in back home and move somewhere else and migrate somewhere else. And four years, five years later, they're still there. And, you know, they didn't live on the installation. They didn't live on the base. They live off the base. They had to get bussed on every day. I never did go see what their living conditions were. Um, and I can imagine that they were pretty similar to that. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, so it's the story of so many workers who leave their country looking for a better future. And before they know it, because they're so vulnerable as a new immigrant and a new citizen in their new country, uh, they're taken advantage of and those vulnerabilities are turned against them. And you're right. They were very, very kind guys. Very nice. They were appreciative of every little thing that you were able to give them. And quite frankly, we couldn't give them a whole lot. 
uh, we were just restricted from it. Uh, and it's very yeah. sad to ha- to experience that, to see somebody in need and not be able to accommodate them. It's so, such simple things. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's amazing seeing the, the things that we all have in excess that we're tempted to get rid of that actually someone could use um, and would mean so much to them. Exactly. Just yesterday, my wife and I, was we were watching, um, we saw this post on Facebook and we did some research on this lady uh, who was, she's traveling around talking about how much food we waste in the Western world. And it truly is ridiculous. And even when I take inventory of my own house, the fact is I let vegetables go to waste, you know, by buying them in bulk from Sam's Club or what, you know, from Costco or whatever. And, you know, a couple carrots go to waste. And it's, and you add that up over the course of a year, it's just ridiculous how much waste that we have ourselves. Uh, and so we're making adjustments personally so that we can at least do Absolutely. that round. That, that's the one area in which we don't want to be abundant. <laughs> right? Exactly. So I truly commend you on that as well because we can sit and talk story all day long about our experiences and that because I have a lot of personal experience there too, which is has much to do with what I'm doing today. So ultimately, you know, that was basically the kick in the gut moment and, you know, a little bit of, you know, enough is enough, but you took it further and, and your enough is enough and, and you, you you made some changes in your own life and you took your life somewhere so that you could help those folks. Talk, talk to us about that and what are you doing for uh, this trafficking and, and everything else that you have going on? Well, after experiencing that, Um, I really had an opportunity in the military to become someone who trained others about the issues of human trafficking and indentured servitude among immigrants. Um, And from there, I was kind of working with the Pentagon, revamping some training that they were doing for um, all four branches of the service uh, around the issue of human trafficking. And um, one thing led to another. I sort of kept getting plugged into people. And um, I realized that there were, you know, groups who were spending uh, millions of dollars a year and uh, lots of time and energy uh, making the eradication of modern day slavery their top priority. And I wanted to be you know, part of that and part of that effort. And so uh, when I was in law school, I worked with one of those groups in Washington, D.C. Uh, called Polaris uh, after the North Star that led slaves to freedom. And Polaris is uh, one of the leaders in eradicating modern day slavery, uh, both in the U.S. and internationally. Um, and I was so grateful to uh, do some research for them and do some analytics um, to help with the policy changes that they were uh, enacting and helping to facilitate in all 50 states. Um, and after that, I was looking to kind of work a little more internationally um, and working to improve my Spanish. And uh, one of my mentors said to me, uh, if you're ever going to go to South America, it's going to be during your second summer of law school. And she was absolutely right. Uh, so I headed down to Ecuador for my second summer in law school and uh, spent some time doing anti-human trafficking work down there and really improved my Spanish and uh, helped me understand some of the issues going on in Ecuador in a significant enough way that after I graduated law school, uh, they invited me back to pursue Fulbright research uh, as a Fulbright fellow. Truly amazing, and I'm glad you talked quite a bit. You mentioned quite a bit there about the trafficking and the uh, slavery in the United States. And, man, I'm telling you right now, you're thinking to yourself, well, what does this have to do with me? I don't contribute to this. You know, maybe I can find a way to help, but I don't know. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that. But I do want to tell you that this does affect you. Uh, When I was at Fort Hood, Texas, there was a strip club that was raided. 
and they reported that 80% of the women that were in that club, there, they were there against their will. And Absolutely. to take it even further than that, and John, I know you can talk on this, and I definitely want you to, a lot of guys and women watch porn. And in my understanding, and what um, when I started doing this research on this human trafficking, even though you look at the porn and you think the woman's having a great time, she's there, you know, whatever, she's there against her will. Many of those movies that you're watching is women against their will, and you're contributing to it. I'm telling you right now. And that's just another reason. There's many reasons to get out of get porn as a serious addiction. I don't want to make this show about porn, but there is a lot of trafficked women in that industry. Wally, I'm so glad you brought that up. And I do want to take this opportunity to say that as in every other industry on the planet, there is no supply when there is no demand. And if men and other individuals are not demanding sex and sexualized products, there will be no supply for it, and there will be no one exploited in the process. And so right now, the federal government in the United States has recognized that any minor involved in a commercial sex act, so prostitution or something like that, any minor involved in that cannot consent to it because you know she's less than 18 um, and therefore is doing that against her consent or without consent um, and is therefore a victim of sex trafficking. And I think that that's a profound and enlightened realization on behalf of our government. And uh, I think that we need to be paying attention to the ways that we contribute to creating a supply, uh, whether it's for sexualized products um, or for sex itself um, or for products that have nothing to do with sex uh, that contribute to other forms of human trafficking and slavery. Um, the products that we buy and learning about where they come from and what's going into making them, uh, the way that we supply those goods and the way that we uh, demand them as consumers has everything to do with who's being exploited uh, in the background. Very good point, and thanks for backing that up. And, um, you know, you already told one good news story that you were talking about earlier with the men in the cots. What other good news stories do you have based on the work that you're doing? Well, I can say that each of the 50 states has uh, taken the issue of human trafficking more and more seriously in the last several years. Uh, they've gone out of their way to pass laws that better protect the victims and provide opportunities for them to seek justice and be properly cared for. Um, and I can only tell you um, that sometimes just small, basic conversations have the way to open so many doors. Um, and so, for instance, I can remember this one time when I was asked to speak about human trafficking, I gave a very brief and very basic presentation, um, but a girl came up to me afterwards who had lived in foster care, and she told me about how uh, her foster care parents in New York City had basically treated her as a prostitute when she was 11 and 12 years old, and how they pimped her out around New York City to really high-end um, you know, business owners. And uh, she had never told anyone that before, and she was sort of disclosing it to me for the first time. And it was a, I mean, it was a sacred moment. It was a um, scary moment, I'm sure, for her. Uh, but it also helped me see that when we create a situation where other people can be vulnerable and other people can feel like they don't have to be afraid, everything changes. And uh, those barriers sometimes fall away. You know, John, that says a lot about you as a person and as a man because that young lady obviously has some major trauma to deal with and I don't know how somebody like that that's gone through that can trust anybody let alone uh, a man that I don't know how well she knew you but any man for that matter even 
let's face it, a lot of these victims are victims of their own family. So if you can't Absolutely. trust your own family, uh, like her mom and dad, for goodness sake, then how could she trust some man that's just there talking to her? And that, that truly says a lot about your character and you as a man. So thank you for that. Of course. So, wow, this is a pretty deep subject, man. And um, that's why I wanted to <laughs> hear, you know, hear some good news stories about that. But it's just a deep subject and it's hard to imagine it's hard to believe what other resources out there do we have that you can share with us that i will certainly share in the show notes for the men to go see for themselves what's really going on and and why this is being has been hidden for so long in so many countries uh, it's and there's other countries that really are not stepping forward on this I'm not going to mention any countries right now because that's not what this is about. But there are countries that, out there that I know that try to act like they are this perfect country when they've got these deep, dark secrets right out in the open. Well, I would encourage your listeners to check out and perhaps even support the new movie I Am Jane Doe. I Am Jane Doe is a documentary about the ways that Backpage.com, uh, which in some ways sort of picked up where Craigslist left off, has provided a safe haven to sex traffickers and it provided a safe haven to pimps and people who would exploit young girls. And it basically creates a page where uh, people can uh, put young uh, girls and victims of sex trafficking as uh, central figures of commerce and uh, just exploit them and uh, you know, fi- uh, create ways and systems uh, for people to uh, find those young women and take advantage of them. Um, in the most terrible ways, and the ways that um, you know the government has sort of stood behind Backpage.com and allowed them to uh, utilize loopholes in the Communications Decency Act um, is unfathomable. So I am Jane Doe exposes that and describes uh, the way that those loopholes needs need to be closed. Wonderful. Thanks for sharing that, and I'll definitely have that linked up in the show notes for sure. Your website MainlineScholarships.com. I want to talk a little bit about what that is. So MainlineScholarships.com is a one-on-one coaching company that empowers high school juniors at every stage of the college application process. And this doesn't have a lot to do with my work in the human trafficking field, um, but it has something to do with how I cover my expenses and am able to continue doing what I do. Um, And this goes back to an interview that I heard with a business leader by the name of Ramit Sethi. I don't know if you've heard of him, but oh, he said absolutely. one time, yeah. he said one time, ask yourself what your unfair advantage is and run with it. And it took me just a few seconds of thinking, what is my unfair advantage? And I quickly saw that having received a full scholarship to both college and law school was clearly an unfair advantage. And so I began seeing how could I leverage that? Um, and the answer is that mainline scholarships Uh, helps other students maximize their scholarship potential and helps them obtain admissions and scholarships um, as competitively as possible by helping the student jump off the page and become a real person and a real student to college admissions counselors in an attractive and persuasive way. That's wonderful. I absolutely love that. And I like that you, you know, I like, but then I don't like the idea of the unfair advantage, but I get the point there in that so many people, uh, don't take advantage of those unfair advantages that are out there for them because it is truly sad to see somebody come out of a four-year college uh, degree in whatever and $80,000, $70,000 in debt 
just before they even get their life started. So that is a huge, huge service and a huge benefit. And you can say a huge unfair advantage uh, for many people. So how many people are taking advantage of that? Um, well, I'm happy to report that this is my, I'm going into my third year of doing it. Um, in my first year, uh, my student, I uh, received a 50% scholarship to one of her top choice schools. And this year, uh, both my clients have received over $80,000 in scholarships. Um, and so it seems to be working. Uh, students seem to be responsive. And I just am so motivated by how hard they're willing to work in the kind of guided, coached process that we go through. That is wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. I love it that they're able to do that and that you're able to do that for them. Well, John, we're at the point of the show where we're going to pay it forward to our abundant leaders. You ready to do that? Ready to do it, Wally. Excellent. So give men of abundance one to three actionable steps that they can take today. All right, I got three steps for you. Number one, write your goals down. I really believe that there's nothing like seeing the power of your own thoughts on paper. Uh, Two, If you have a crazy idea, try it with a friend. It just might be your next big success. And three, make yourself a business card today. I've been carrying around a business card since before I deserved to have a business card. I was a lowly law student, and I went out and got myself a business card, but it communicated to the rest of the world that I was someone worth paying attention to and that I had a message that I wanted to share. And that message has been shared. I believe that those business cards were a big part of that. Excellent. I love all three of those. And if it's not written down, chances are it's not going to happen. Exactly. It's just my experience. What daily habits make up the biggest impact in your life? Well, right now, for the last you know week and a half, I'd say it's waking up before the sun so that my day is fueled by productivity and a sense of pride in my accomplishments before 7 a.m. rolls around. What time do you get up? Uh, this morning it was 4.30. Yeah, right on dot. Right on the dot. That's me too. Right. Actually, I woke up just before my alarm, as I normally do, and uh, laid there for a minute, dozed off, and then my alarm startled me. So, <laughs> Yep, I know <laughs> the works out. Oh. So what are you reading or listening to right now that you would recommend to our abundant leaders and why? Well, this is a little outside the norm, but I'm going to recommend a app that is kind of like a course, and it's called Headspace. Oh, I dig um, it, yeah. I think Headspace is a pretty small commitment of time at 10 minutes a day, and a pretty small commitment of money at $5 a month, but provides you with this incredible ability to pause and evaluate what you're thankful for and what's challenging you and how your heart is responding to those things. Um, And even the free version of the app, it has 10 short guides on it to help you create that space for giving gratitude and for meditating. Excellent. Yeah, I've heard of that before. Quite a few uh, guys in my circle uh, use that. So I haven't used it myself, but I might go check it out. I love it. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. So I got one last question for you, and that is, what does living a life of abundance mean to you? Well, I think living a life of abundance happens when four things come together. First, when you're more grateful than needful. Uh, Two, when you share more than you take. Three, when you desire experiences over things. And four, I think when you learn to love others, not necessarily how you want to be loved, but when you figure out how they want to be loved and love them in that way. I absolutely love that last answer. I like all the other answers, of course. But that last answer is something that I say, it just pops into my head when somebody says something like, treat others how you want to be treated. But then I see the way certain people treat themselves, and I'm like, I don't ever want you to treat me that way. 
<laughs> exactly. And I think even more, I think we when I think we want to love others the way that we want to be loved so that we can teach them how to love us. But really, I think we need to be listening more. And we need to be learning about others and finding out how they feel loved and appreciated and then meet them there and love them in those ways that help them feel most appreciated and, you know, special. Wonderful. Wonderful insight. I absolutely love that. So we're going to close this up, John, and before we do, please leave us with a parting piece of guidance and any other way that we can reach you. And if MainlineScholarships.com is the only way, perfect. And then I will say goodbye. All right. Well, a neighbor once gave me this piece of unsolicited advice that I found quite true. And he said, what you do from nine to five might pay the bills, but what you do from five to nine will pay for your retirement. And so I would encourage men of abundance to think about what they do and what they want to do between five and nine that's not just watching TV or playing video games. I'd say grab hold of it, set a goal for it, shape it, try it with a friend, print a business card about it, and then run with it. Men, listen to that advice. Listen to that guidance. I'm telling you right now, that little piece of information that John just shared with you seriously can go a long ways. In fact, when I link this up in the show notes, I have little tags, time tags that you can click on. I'm going to time tag that specifically so that you can go to menofabundance.com and you can click on this episode. You go down and you click on that time tag. It'll take you back and you can keep clicking on that time tag and go back and listen to this a couple times. I would do it a couple times a week to be honest with you and I'm serious. I'm not kidding around. That is a very, very strong statement that John just gave us right there. I appreciate that, John. Absolutely, Wally. And listen, if your uh, listeners want to get me, they can check out uh, my business at MainlineScholarships.com or certainly hit me up over my personal email, JohnVRafferty at gmail.com. Perfect. Thanks for sharing that. It's huge. John, it's been a pleasure. I truly love what, you, what you're doing. It's tough work. I know it's heart-wrenching uh, to watch and to be a part of the, be in that arena and in that industry, but it's so, so needed. Just keep doing what you're doing, man. Absolutely. Wally, thank you so much for doing what you're doing. I really appreciate it. The world needs more of it. My pleasure. Have a good day. You too. All right, guys. I know that was a lot for you to take in all at one time, but let's face it. There are some heinous things going on in this world, and there are some beautiful things going on in this world. As abundant leaders, we do what we can to look at every aspect and figure out a way that we can make our mark and make the world a better place in our own little way. And I hope this conversation sparked some of that in you today. If it has, be abundant in your life today and share this episode on all of your social media networks and share this episode with everybody that you know because they are definitely going to get something out of it just like you did. Now, go out and live your life of abundance and make sure to pay it forward. That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance.